0: I'm interrupting the regular flow of copyroom conversations with a short season to help us ease back into the thinking and doing of work. Every August on CRC, there will be a bonus season about a book I hope you'll read. In that bonus season, the podcast will include some segments of the book, as well as solo episodes about the themes of that book. This August, the short season is about my book, Nothing's Missing, a year of reckoning release and remembering who I am. Come September, we'll be back with Season 4 of Copy Room Conversations, dedicated to the notion of letting go of imperfection and normalizing joy. Not coincidentally, two of the main themes of Nothing's Missing. This episode opens with a quote from Michelle Reinhardt, my friend from Stanford University. Michelle was a teacher for many years in Boston and in Oakland, and we met at the Center to Support Excellence in Teaching at Stanford where she coached a group of English teachers and I coached a group of history teachers and together we led many a professional development session. She was kind enough to read the book and share some thoughts. I share those thoughts with you today, along with the story from the introduction. From the very first sentence of Nothing's Missing, i felt seen, heard, loved, and unconditionally accepted for my messy humanity. There are very few other humans who would be able to reach out from the page to make me feel that way. And for that, I'm forever in Nicole's debt. And as someone who's been shitting all over myself my entire life, what a gift that, through Nothing's Missing, Nicole made me feel less alone and helped me to see that there's another way. Fine sucks, indeed. Thank you to Michelle, and now on to the introduction. Nothing's Missing, a year of reckoning, release, and remembering who I am, by Nicole Luciani. Published by Dirt Path Publishing, copyright 2022, all rights reserved. For Thomas Antonio and Jackson Giovanni, who belong among the wildflowers, and for you, who deserves to feel free. Introduction. Dear friend, every few years I come to some really hard conclusions about what it takes to shake off the shoulds and embrace the truth of who I am. I have these incredible breakthroughs and then life goes on. Somewhere between packing lunches and walking dogs and arguing about the grocery list, a full-time job, raising kids, caring for elders, I get lost again. A few years go by, and even though I'm more myself than I was before, I find myself again doing the dance of should to prove to everybody, to myself, that everything is fine. The clarity from any earlier breakthroughs fades, and I begin to unconsciously aspire once again to nothing more than fine. Don't make waves. You're fine. Just be cool. Next thing I know, I'm back for reasons I still don't understand and resistance to everything that brings me joy and power and light. The truth should is a real jackass and fine sucks. Several years ago, I hit the place where the pain of a given situation outweighed the pain of making a change. My carefully constructed identity was cracking. My marriage was falling apart and my struggle with anxiety could no longer be contained. Only when we rescued a dog that had boundless energy, requiring several miles a day of walking, did I find the courage to face these truths. We'd walk morning, noon, and night on a dirt path near my house that ran by the water. On this path are huge benches of yellow wildflowers, long and lanky, reaching tall toward the sun, simple and beautiful and completely unmanicured. They were fully themselves, In all their perfect imperfection. They were the opposite of fine. They were free. Early one morning, Mario and I walked by them and I thought, those wildflowers right there, they're everything I wanna be. Wildflowers don't grow in rows, I thought, as we passed them again on our way home, and neither do I. I decided at that very moment to stop pretending, to stop hiding in the name of trying to be perfect, to release the idea that everybody else has it all together, and therefore I should, too. This book captures the essence of that year-long journey to reckon with what I had allowed my life to become, learn how to release the shoulds, and remember who I am. Not fine, but simple, beautiful, imperfect, and free. I came through that experience wanting to stop living a constructed life and start thriving under my own unique set of circumstances in exactly the way God created me to. I want to stand tall in my light, making it bright enough for others to see their own. I want you and me and all of us to light up the world with our gifts. Wallflowers don't grow in rows, and neither do I. Wildflowers don't grow in rows, and neither do you. There is liberation in saying, my house is a mess. My children are sometimes ill-mannered. I am insecure some days and need reassurance most days. There is liberation in knowing I'm tired of fine, and I'm tired of should, and I'm ultimately tired of the bullshit that is tied up with trying to live a life so carefully that I never disappoint anyone, only to end up chronically disappointing myself. Ultimately, what brought me to this courage, in addition to the unconditional devotion of my dog, was my desire to liberate myself in service to liberating my children. Children evangelize us, I was once told by a priest who was baptizing my oldest son whether we're ready or not. I'm not sure he meant it this way, but freeing myself to free them, even if it scares the shit out of me, is exactly how I'm living his lesson. I didn't want to write this book. It's personal and painful, and doing so leaves me feeling deeply exposed. It tells the often unspoken story of what happens after a spouse has been unfaithful, but the couple decides to stay together anyway. Interestingly enough, it's not at all a story about marriage. It's a story of me reckoning with the fact that, above all else, I was actually the one who was unfaithful. Over and over, I was unfaithful to myself. I wrote this book for me, so I'd never again forget who I am. Every time I walked by the manuscript that I had shelved more than a decade before, I felt my heart pull toward it. This story, it wouldn't leave me alone. The global pandemic and the struggle that came with it sparked a deeper fire that fire of outrageous courage that is as terrifying as it is compelling. That fire told me I'd forgotten the lessons from the years before, and I'd begun to betray myself once again. I looked around at the women I love and saw them doing the same, the unceasing voices in our heads comparing our suffering, shaming ourselves, telling us how we should be grateful because we're fine. We've all been given a piece to life's puzzle, and we're not going to get anywhere individually or collectively until we're each able to unabashedly put that piece down on the table with everyone else's. Each of us with our own unique gift, perfectly designed just as it should be, not contorted into some socially acceptable standard of what someone else thinks it should be. If we're going to change the world into a place where we want our children to grow old, then we have to allow ourselves the grace of stepping into the lives we were created to live, not the lives other people think we should. Grace is calling us. I know it, just as I know most of us have something that is muffling that call. I'd be willing to bet what's causing the muffle for each of us is an old coping mechanism or patterned way of being that has lost its utility in this, our grown-up life. I struggle with anxiety that has roots in childhood pain and brain chemistry but it's perpetuated by the fact I continue to abandon vibrancy in exchange for fine. I can't change the first two, but I sure as hell can change the last. So can you, and we must. God created us to move into the fullness of our lives. We can't do everything, but as Mother Teresa says, we can do small things with great love. Love requires courage outrageous courage, a rage of fire that propels us towards that courage, toward one another, toward love. That fire in me, it's in you too. We're being called to use it to reach forward, back, sideways, circling our wagons in favor of the truth, the truth that we're all connected, the truth that we belong to one another, the truth that we've come way too far to tolerate fine. When I think of the women who made my life possible, I'm humbled. I'm also a little ashamed. My grandmothers and their mothers and my mother, they all sacrificed so much so that I could live the life I have right now. In many cases, my fine would be their dream. But I also know they didn't create me just to stop there. They created me so I would move forward and bring others with me. The world is out of balance for many reasons. One being because women have been trained to play small for far too long. Those before us fought valiantly, so we wouldn't have to do that anymore. They knew that when we reach tall toward the sun, the possibilities are endless. And as that revolution occurs, the world turns upside right again. This is my call to action, to reach tall toward the sun, where we live into the unique gifts we've been given along with everyone else and the possibilities for our individual and collective well-being are endless. My intention in writing this very personal story that is difficult for me to share with you is so you too might hear your call. I wrote this book from my vantage point, from my memory, with all the biases that come from only one side of the story. I may have made some mistakes along the way, misinterpreted, misremembered. That said, I did my best to honor the people involved and tell as true of a story as I could. I had my husband Craig read it and offered him the chance to let me know what he wanted to be left out, even offering to put the book to bed right then and there. It's your story, Nicole, not mine, he said. Go out there and tell your story. This, my friends, among many other reasons, is why I love this man as I do. One final note before we begin, the dog does not die in the end, so you don't need to read the last chapter first to brace yourself for it. He lays at my feet as I type this, now a pile of old bones that limps from one spot to another, wearing pants so he doesn't dribble pee everywhere he goes. I will lose him soon, but not yet. He still loves a walk more than his own life. He still loves to roll on his back in the grass and make joyful honking noises. He still helps me see things that I sometimes take for granted, and remember things I didn't know I'd forgotten. He still loves me, more today it seems than ever. Ultimately, the place he holds in my heart for what he was and what he continues to be is what gave me the strength to share this book with you, finally, after all these years. Dog. God backwards. No coincidence. Thank you for listening to season three with episodes released on Sundays and Wednesdays in August, each one dedicated to a different chapter in the book, Nothing's Missing. Come September, we'll be back with season four of Copy Room Conversations, dedicated to the notion of letting go of imperfection and normalizing joy. Not coincidentally, two of the main themes of Nothing's Missing. If you're interested in purchasing a copy of Nothing's Missing, you can get it anywhere you buy your paperbacks, ebooks, and audiobooks. Fifteen percent of all net profits I earn from these books and other speaking engagements and workshops is donated to Together Rising, an organization dedicated to women and families that uses local resources and knowledge to drive decisions that serve others. Learn more at togetherrising.com. To learn more about my work, please visit NicoleLuciani.com.